You're listening to Women Making Waves. Maddie Vorva, who's up next. She became quite the celebrity when she was a teenager, didn't she? She did, and 11 years of age. That's quite young. And and she did have some other friends too who took on that same mission. But it is about Maddie, this one, isn't it? It is. It's amazing. She's very, very driven, as you'll hear. She was incensed by the fact that gorillas would be killed because of the production of palm oil. It's completely taken over her life in a nice way. She's very inspired by what she does and what she sees. And I'm always wondering at the end of the day how much you can be involved in. And so we're going to hear about this, aren't we? We are indeed. Maddie came in and talked to Susie and I about her campaigning. wrote a very passionate note saying I can't believe that you're causing deforestation and orangutan extinction you should take palm oil out and I thought naively that that would fix the issue and turned into eight years of advocacy At the age of 11 Madison Vorva campaigned to get the Girl Scouts to stop using unsustainable palm oil in their cookies She persuaded Kellogg's to agree to a deforestation free policy for all of its products She's made a documentary about land grabs in Cambodia. She's a United Nations forest hero and has been honoured at the Teen Choice Awards. She sits on the board of the Jane Goodall Institute and is now working on her Masters at Cambridge University. What was really remarkable is that Maddie is only 23. Thank you very much for joining us today, Maddie. Thank you for having me. Now, at the age of 11... What made you start to worry about the use of palm oil? So palm oil was pretty new to me. It was an accidental discovery, actually. I was a big fan of Jane Goodall, and she was my idol for her efforts to save the chimpanzees. And so I wanted to help save the orangutans, which are my favorite animal. And I learned that their habitat in Indonesia and Malaysia, which is the rainforest, is being cleared for these massive palm oil plantations. And that palm oil is an ingredient in 50% of the products in American grocery stores. So I would go grocery shopping with my mom and make lists of everything with palm oil and throw a hissy fit if she brought anything home. And then Girl Scout cookie season rolled around and I saw that palm oil was an ingredient. And that's really where the story begins. So what did you do about it? You're 11 years old and you you were with a friend as well, weren't you? Yes, yes, my schoolmate Rhiannon. Uh, We were both Girl Scouts and we learned about palm oil and the cookies. I made an email. That was my first step. It was saveorangatans137 at hotmail.com and I emailed (laughs) the Girl Scout headquarters and I wrote a very passionate note saying, I can't believe that you're causing deforestation and orangutan extinction. You should take palm oil out. And that's how it all began. And I thought naively that that would fix the issue (laughs) and it turned into eight years of advocacy. (laughs) So what happened next? You wrote the email. What happened after that? Yes. Then I went to my middle school and high school. Rihanna and I organized something that was basically social suicide called National Orangutan Week, where we had a palm oil free bake sale to raise money. We had a middle school dance to raise money. And we had different awareness activities where we posted facts about palm oil and deforestation on lunch tables. We had a letter writing drive with our English class where students were writing letters to companies that used palm oil. And so it really started as a school project and grew and grew and grew. 
So you were kind of known as, as the nag of the school. That's right. <laughs> I was the orangutan nerd. Yeah, I was. I got, kids put things with palm oil in my locker, and I was. I was definitely not cool. But I don't think anyone was laughing a few years later once it turned into this big cause. <laughs> were you helped in any of this work by the grown-ups? Yes. Yes, I was. A middle schooler, so I definitely was lucky to have grown-ups. People always get surprised when they they ask about my parents, and I tell them that they're not particularly environmental. I mean, I my mom loves to camp, and I have a lot of fond memories playing in the woods. That's really where my love for the environment comes from. My dad, not so much. He's um, rather conservative, and oh, he's a Trump supporter. I say with a hush voice. <laughs> But he he taught me at a really young age that it's very important to speak up for what you believe in. And we don't really agree on anything politically. But he always really modeled that in my community and has always told me that if you see something that's wrong, then you have an obligation to speak up. And so I really appreciate that lesson from him. It's been critical. And that sounds really interesting about your family dynamics, actually, obviously encouraging you to say something that you don't believe or do believe in. You sounds like you were very confident from a very early age. Did you feel you were confident? Actually, you didn't think about that. You thought about the campaign itself. So I think it's an interesting balance sort of of my personality because naturally I'm very introverted and shy and making that initial school presentation was humiliating and very embarrassing and I wasn't a very confident public speaker but dance was always my outlet for me and I was always the shy kid in the back and the thing about the campaign was that I wasn't talking about me I was talking about this cause that was much bigger and for whatever reason I really believe that I was going to stop deforestation and I was lucky to have parents and to have teachers who took me seriously at a young age and who said, your voice matters. So we're at the stage that you're campaigning in your middle school, Mm. but how did that get along to Kellogg's and getting Kellogg's to change their policy? Yeah, so that was, this was 2008. Kellogg didn't change their policy until 2014. And so this school campaign encompassed most of my middle school, high school, early college years. It was my growing up time. And I was really lucky in that I learned about Jane Goodall's Roots and Shoots program, which is her education program for young people. I met her. And just for those that might not know Jane Goodall, she's a campaigner for chimpanzee. Tell us a little bit about Jane, just a potted history of Jane Goodall. Yeah, so Jane Goodall is a conservationist. She's United Nations Messenger of Peace. And she, in 1960, studied chimpanzees in Tanzania. Her main discovery was that chimpanzees make and use tools, which was groundbreaking. And today she's 83. 84 years old, traveling the world 300 days a year, inspiring young people to make a difference for people, animals, and the environment. So she's definitely my hero, and I actually got to meet her. And that's sort of how my campaign grew from the school project to a community project in that a local news story was written in the Ann Arbor paper along the lines of, you know, girl meets her hero. And through that, different environmental groups heard about our campaign. And there's one person who made all the difference for me, and his name is David. And he was someone all the way out in Santa Monica, California, who emailed me at my savoring things email and said, I heard you have this petition. I am willing to get my neighbors to sign. And I had to look on a map where Santa Monica, California was. I was amazed that an adult all the way on the other side of the country took me seriously. And he's the person who connected, helped to connect us to other environmental groups. And it took one person. And I'm so grateful for him. Yeah. So what happened next? Right. So we, we had 
different partnerships with nonprofits. And so we had uh, organizations like the Rainforest Action Network, Climate Advisors, the Forest Trust, um, Orangutan Outreach, Cultural Survival, so environmental groups, conservation groups, human rights groups, all writing to the Girl Scouts explaining how palm oil that isn't produced sustainably contributes to human rights abuses, child labor, slave labor, deforestation, carbon emissions, species endangerment, a whole host of perspectives. And we asked for a meeting with the Girl Scouts in their headquarters in New York City, and they refused. (laughs) And so it it ended up actually being quite a big media campaign that took them to take us seriously and actually discuss this issue. And so the campaign was first featured in that, you know, small Ann Arbor newspaper, but eventually momentum just picked up and we were featured on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. We were in Time, ABC, NPR, CBS. It was a whole satellite media tour, which is quite overwhelming. I was going to say, can I just ask you, how did you get so much momentum? How did you get this media campaign going? Mm. I mean, that's something that you can't do on your own. Right, right. I mean, a lot of it was partnering with these nonprofits who had entire listservs of people. And we had this petition on change.org, which is now quite popular. But at the time in, you know, 2011 was when our story broke. That was one of the, the newer environmental campaigns. Palm oil hadn't been introduced broadly in the United States. And our campaign was the first to do that. And so I like to say that Girl Scout cookies are as American as apple pie. Everyone has a strong opinion about Girl Scout cookies. Everyone loves Girl Scout cookies. And so if you start saying Girl Scout cookies have a dark side, people's ears perk up. And so mm-hmm. the story really grew on itself. You know, one small news story was picked up by the Associated Press. And then we were getting calls from these national outlets. And uh, we were working with these uh, nonprofits, like I was saying, and we were given a media strategy call in which we learned what a talking point was and those kinds of things. But it was just an hour. And then I don't think they expected it to go as big as it was. And then I was in my math class and I got a call from Fox News and they said <laughs> something like, we need a press release from you in the next two hours, otherwise you're not going to be quoted. And I didn't know what a press release was. And so was See, this is, this is, of course you would. Yeah. Why would you? But this is all why you are at school. Mm, yes. And you're doing a campaign that's taking a, quite a bit of your time. And it's quite a big campaign, isn't yes. it? And you're sitting in a math class. Right, right, exactly. It was a lot to balance as a high schooler, definitely. I learned as I, as I went. Thankfully, though, it was small for years before that. And so I, I knew my talking points inherently. I had done the research and I was still passionate. And I felt a big responsibility to clearly communicate in two to three minutes why someone should care. And I think the challenge with the palm oil controversy is people want to know, well, is palm oil good or is palm oil bad? That's usually how the environmental movement is framed, is we should just boycott X, Y, or Z. And that's what I thought being an activist meant as a middle schooler. And really my evolution changed and and my understanding, my evolution in advocacy changed and I became much more diplomatic in realizing we need to, you know, build bridges instead of burning them, which now that's my new soapbox because <laughs> our political system is so divided and it's so frustrating because mm, then nothing gets done. Across the world, yes, yes, you're right. You're right. So you managed to meet up with the Girl Guide Association and that, that had a huge impact. That's right, yeah. So in 2014, 
Little Brownie Bakers, which is a subsidiary of Kellogg. They bake half the Girl Scout cookies. They adopted a deforestation-free policy, as well as uh, Wilmar, which trades 45% of the world's palm oil, and Cargill, which is the largest American supplier to palm oil. And so it began with the Girl Scouts, but to really have the largest impact, we were trying to go down the supply chain to the larger suppliers and traders and users of palm oil. And so that's what happened. And so if you go buy a box of Girl Scout cookies, you will see a logo on the box representing their commitment. That's amazing, really. Two little girls. Thank you. Can have that <laughs> impact. Tell us what you're doing now. So you, you moved on from that. You've done a lot of things, actually, haven't you? You've, you've fronted a TV show mm. on Fox. Yeah, yeah. So it was quite the experience. I was lucky to be honored at the Teen Choice Awards, and the producer of that show is producing a science education TV show. And so I ended up co-hosting that show and doing different YouTube videos. And the show is all about um, showing girls that science, technology, engineering, and math can make the world a better place. And so so Amazing. That awesome. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you did that and you're actually still working with Jane Goodall, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've come full circle. So Jane actually studied at the University of Cambridge and here I am. Uh, she is still campaigning and pushing that young people can make a difference. And I sit on their board of directors as the chair for Roots and Shoots, which is the education branch of the organization. And, and actually, can we talk about that, being on a board at such a young age? What's it like? How do you feel you're getting your message across? Have you had some challenges with board members? <laughs> <laughs> the inside scoop. Well, yeah. I mean, I will say that at the beginning, I had to ask to join the board and that I had been part of the youth program starting in middle school. I was on the high school youth leadership council and the college alumni council. And then I was I still wanted to give back to this organization because it was so important to me and gave me my voice and my my leadership skills. I was coming back to give a presentation to the high school youth leaders and some of the board members were there. And I just said, I think it's a little bit hypocritical that you don't have youth representation on your board. And the whole mission of the organization is the young people's voices matter and so (laughs) can you go back to the other board (laughs) members and to Jane and see if that can happen and it did happen and so I've been on the board for a few years now and I've learned so much about nonprofit management and been really grateful because the other board members have worked for 30-40 years and They definitely have a lot of experience on me and some take me seriously and some don't. And part of the challenge is realizing, you know, where I can contribute and where I can be helpful. You know, a lot of teenagers start off with gusto and they're Mm. really, really enthusiastic about something. And then it kind of wanes because they get a boyfriend or (laughs) they start dancing instead. You know, something else comes along with you. That just didn't happen. Mm. You're yeah. really focused from beginning to end by the sound of it. We don't need to know about your love yeah, life. Yeah, I was like, just say no to boyfriends. Obviously, <laughs> solution. Um, no, I am very determined. I'm not sure where that's stemmed from. I think some of that is inherent in that I, I've always had a deep sense of self and a stubbornness that is... I think one of my greatest strengths and one of my greatest weaknesses, because I won't give something up, I took this issue on personally. And I still remember when I was on my sleepover with Rihanna in seventh grade, and I came across these pictures of orangutans who had been set on fire, and they were burned alive for entering this palm oil plantation because they were eating the palm oil fruits and they were just a pest. And they just looked so human. I mean, they share 97% of our DNA. And it was one of the first times that I really connected that what I was buying, the crackers or the 
chocolate was directly contributing to this. And I kind of said, well, if not me, then who? And so I had a responsibility to do something. And I think other young people have that strong sense of right and wrong. And as I grew Mm. up, I realized, oh, development is so complicated and this issue is so gray. But that initial gut reaction, I think it's what propels me to do the work that I do. I mean, I'm getting my master's degree in this kind of issue is there's I'm very fortunate to have had the experiences and the exposures to these issues at a young age and still we need solutions and still deforestation is continuing and still land grabbing is continuing. And so the same, if not who, then me, um, I think is something that continues to drive me every day. Where do you see yourself in five years' time? That's a very annoying question, I know, when you're a student, because I sound like your mother. But where do, do you have any loose plan of what what you'd like to be doing and what you'd like to achieve? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely interested in and looking more at the connection between gender and the environment. And so I want a job that allows me to do that. I think something um, in my studies that I'm coming across with land grabbing and land rights is that women often don't even have that legal right. And so understanding that climate change will disproportionately affect small shareholder farmers and a lot of those people are women and a lot of those people don't have land rights and so they may not even get to participate in some of these larger mechanisms you know through the UN to support conservation or to support climate resilience so some job working climate and um, gender could be interesting I'm also really still interested in the power of GIS and using mapping and satellite imagery to work through these supply chains and to try to increase the traceability and knowing where these um, products are coming from so and, and we'll GIS, GIS is geographical information system isn't That's it right. it's a way of mapping on an actual map Mm -hmm. or a map of the world or a map of a country where information is coming from. Is that that a good explanation of what GIS is? Yeah, yeah. So you can, a GIS is not just a static map. That's what makes it exciting is that you can monitor deforestation in real time using satellite imagery. And so you can put in all kinds of different information, not just forest, but community information of, yeah, I like to show young people this picture that the Jane Goodall Institute uses with their community mapping efforts. And it's a satellite image of the area has been completely deforested except for this patch of forest. And I like to say, look, we have this technology now that can show us this real time, but no one can explain. The scientists can't explain why that specific patch of forest was left standing. And in order to get the answer, you actually have to speak to people from those communities. And so when we care about these international conservation problems that weren't from those countries, we need to have these strong community partnerships. And in that instance, it was because there was a sacred site within that forest patch. And so really understanding Understanding the community perspective is important. And that's why I felt qualified to speak up with my Girl Scout campaign is I was a proud Girl Scout since I was in first grade. And so helping young people, you know, see their identity in their place is really important. And that's another reason why I'm so passionate about, yeah, community mapping and GIS. And if you had a sacrifice, is there anything you've had to give up to keep going in this sort of area of I think definitely my high school experience wasn't normal. I missed proms and those kinds of things, which seems silly. But then I was nostalgic about it, looking back and saying, wow, maybe I like, maybe I would have liked being on the cross country team, those kinds of things. And I just I wasn't around. And so right now I've it forced me to reprioritize and realizing, you know, my relationships with my friends and family that really matters. And so if I'm not meeting 
that, if I'm not making time for that, if I'm not making time to go take a walk in the woods, then I need to readjust because I'm not going to be the best advocate that I can be because I'll be I'll be too tired and I'll be too burnt out. Well, I think you're absolutely inspirational, Maddie, and thank you very much for coming on Women Making Waves. And that was Maddie Volvert talking to Linda and I.